podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. And this season, the We Are West End podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West End business in the West End family by giving Miriam a call. Or a shout, it's Miriam Errington conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. West Ham United 2, Newcastle 1, PGMOL 1. Decent result at home for West Ham at London Stadium on Sunday. Would have been even better if Peter Banks knew the laws of football and blew his whistle and showed cards accordingly. As it turned out, he doesn't in the latest stream of high-profile gaffes from the officials in the English game this season. West Ham were robbed of two extra points at home to supposedly high-flying Newcastle, although they're still below us in the league. And... I'm joined, as ever, by James Jones to talk about it. Jonesy, I thought I was I was pretty clever then with that introduction. I sort of thought of it as the words were coming out of my mouth. I thought, oh yeah, West Ham 2, Newcastle 1, PGMOL 1. Giving myself a bit of a pat on the back because I liked it. And look, you're, you tend to be the guy we go to on this podcast for hyperbole, right? You know, the... <laughs> Yeah, and uh, but and there, you know, there are often times I think it's fair to say where you'll tweet something and I'll give a wry smile to myself. And well, Jonesy's at it again. You're the passionate defense of yourself the other week in response to the guy who'd given you a bit of grief on in the YouTube comments. It's fair to say you're sort of of the two of us, the slightly more reactive, sort of hot headed, passionate, kind of angry bloke. Um. This time around, I mean, you did tweet as ever about the performances of the officials. There isn't really too much more nuance to it. I, I genuinely think we were were robbed by the officials this week. I'm still feeling pretty positive because I think our point at home to Newcastle is a decent one. Um, we're still above them in the league. They beat PSG at home in the week. We went, we went away to Germany and, and got a hard fought. Uh, victory against Freiburg to carry on our sensational record in Europe. So I still think a point is a good one, but it could have been more were it not for the officials. Yeah, it just it seems to be uh, well, it has been a trend for ever since VAR came in. It's like we were told that VAR would would fix football and and make it better for everyone involved, uh, not least the fans. Uh, and if anything, it's it's making it worse. Um, like why they can't allow VAR to get involved in yellow cards or fouls lead, that lead to goals, stuff like that, is beyond me. I mean, by doing that, you make the game better, you make it fairer. 
and they've limited it to okay, some key moments like penalties, offsides, and all, and all the rest of it. But like, if you're going to make it fair, you have to have someone looking at every single decision because it's quite clearly, and we've seen this so many times, even before VAR, quite clearly, referees aren't up to the job. People make mistakes, yes, but when you consistently make mistakes, that's a problem. They've now got help. They've, been, they've given themselves help. They've actually implemented their own help and they're still getting it wrong every single week at the highest level of the game. It's not good enough and it's cost us. It's cost a lot of teams this season and in and, and the years before. So, I don't know. It, it's not the first time it's happened to us. Um, but part of me feels a lot more aggrieved than the previous ones because I felt like that was... One of the best performances, especially the first half that we've seen under David Moyes. Mm. I thought the first wow. half was impeccable. I thought it was just class. proving my hyperbole point there, <laughs> mate. It, I thought it was superb. I thought the first half was so so good from us. Yeah, okay, Newcastle. Uh, Eddie Howe came out after and said, "I oh, were a little bit tired after Thursday night," and we we half we were half hoping that might be true. Leading in, leading into the game, but I thought we were we were brilliant. Well worth the lead. Um, they came back into it in the second half. But they had help getting back into it in the second half with that first goal. And then the second goal follows because they got their tails up. We're feeling quite rightly aggrieved by the, by the first goal and then we fall behind. So it's not good enough, really, when you, you know, fans paying their money to go and watch the game week in, week out. And every week in, week out, they're left feeling aggrieved, robbed, um, and feel like they're, they're, they're not getting their money's worth. Um, so I feel really annoyed about what happened on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Look, we'll go into it in a bit more detail in the section dedicated to the uh, West Ham draw with Newcastle a little bit later on in the show. One thing I will say, you can't seriously be calling for every decision to be reviewed. It'd be a nightmare. Like, I assume you're meaning or referring to the supposed foul on Lucas Paqueta in the build-up to... Um, Newcastle's equaliser, I think it was, the one where Edson yeah. Alvarez provided the assist for Isaac. So I, 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 I disagree with you on that. We will go into it in a bit more detail, but you couldn't have it on all of them. But, you know... The, you could. Uh, well, you could. Yeah, but you couldn't. You couldn't. You could. Of course you couldn't. That It would be an absolute disaster. Anyway, we'll go, we'll go into that in a bit more detail. Yeah, but no, what would you do then? Because it wasn't a foul on anyone. The ref gives a foul... Like, what would you do then? Just go, oh, that wasn't a foul. I'd have a drop ball. You'd have a drop ball. Like, you, you, that yeah, would be an absolute I'd rather disaster. a drop ball than conceding a goal. No, but what? Like, a hundred drop balls a game? Well, the thing is, that, that doesn't but If happen. the ref gives a foul... You, you only, you only then... go back. You only go back if that decision has led to a goal. If you can, if you can accurately prove that that decision has led to a goal, which it did, because they scored from the resulting free kick... Then you go back and go, the referee goes, have I missed something? VAR has a look at it and goes, that weren't a foul, that's a 50-50. Do you want to have a look at it again? He can then go and have a look at it again and go, yeah, I probably got that wrong. But how far back do you go? That's ridiculous. Well, from a resulting free kick, you're not going to go back five minutes, obviously. But yeah, but what would you do then? Kick, let's you... go into it more detail afterwards. But other sports get it right. All right, fine. Yeah, we will do this. because We get it wrong. One of the most ridiculous points you've ever made. Uh, however... On a positive note, well, it's still a positive note because, to be quite honest, Jonesy, we've now played West Ham United eight games this season. We only lost two of them, 
and we've played Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, and our Newcastle at home, many of the team, and Brighton, of course. Out of those eight games, those are five very, very difficult games, and we would have flagged those as such at the beginning of the season. In fact, we did on the on the last podcast before the, the games kicked off. We were worried that David Moyes could very well be out of a job by the end of October. Uh, and the fact that we're seventh after all those games, only having lost two, uh, one of the, I think that's a, a fairly decent point against Newcastle. And we said it on the podcast last week before the game. Still feeling very positive. One thing as well, the excellent uh, win away at Freiburg. I think that's really it's just so typical of one of those sort of like invisible or almost invisible, unglamorous and not really noticed or commented on improvements that David Moyes has made to our football club. And everyone will go, oh, you know, or some people will go, oh, oh, you should win that anyway. It's like, I'm sorry, you've gone away from home to a stadium you've never played in with not a single West Ham United supporter in the stadium against an unknown team who are seventh in the Bundesliga who know what they're doing, who've got some continuity with the coach, like a decent fan, decent set of fans behind them. And you've come away with a 2-1 victory with only looking like the second best team for about a 10-minute spell to go, you know, cement your position, albeit early, at the top of a European group for the third season running. And it's almost now, such is the good work David Moyes has been doing and such is the the West Ham United new era West Ham we're used to. Everyone just sort of shrugs it off. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, that was a good win. And it's like not, there's sort of next to no fanfare about it. Um, We go on the longest unbeaten run of any English team in history in a European competition, 17 games. Three years ago, we were nearly getting relegated. I, I, I honestly, and I just want to make the point of picking it up and talking about it as a hugely positive thing and another hugely positive week. To be quite honest, you know, we, we, we sort of enjoyed it last week to an extent, didn't we? We had a bit of a laugh. Obviously, we'd beaten Lincoln away in the cup and then Sheffield United at home. And it was like, you know, two wins from two, happy days. And I think... You know, as we were signing off last week, we were kind of bracing ourselves for a bit more of a difficult week where just going unbeaten from the two games would have been lovely. And the fact of the matter is we've got two wins, sorry, a win and a draw. We are unbeaten, four points, albeit in two different competitions. It's just another, another excellent week. And, you know, there's so much negativity out there about David Moyes and there certainly was over the summer and there still are because, you know, especially people who sort of rely on their anti-Moyes views for any clout or social media exposure they get. Um, you almost have to keep banging that drum for no reason. But the fact of the matter is it's been a phenomenal start to the season. And I think that game at Freiburg, Jonesy, is just one of those things that sort of sums up where we're at with the football club at the moment and and all of this so far just serves to prove how much of a blip last season's Premier League form really was. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we, we were saying before and I think it was common knowledge that that was probably probably going to be our toughest fixture in, in a group. And we've gone out there and like you said, barring 10 minutes in, in the beginning of the second half, looked incredibly comfortable against really good opposition. Um, like, 
it doesn't get any more pleasing than that. And then when you when you mention the the record as well, so just to have that record, taking it off the hands of Leeds yeah. and Tottenham, who, who were equal on sixteen, to take it off of them, like no Don one saw, and Bill Nicholson. Yeah, like no one expected West Ham to be anywhere near records like that. Only four years ago, three and a half years ago. Now here they are. And a lot of people go, oh, yeah, well, you know, most of that was in the comments league. Don't care. Which it's is true. That's a fair it's a point. It's a European competition, though. Yeah. Um, you know, because you've got many... I saw some Man United fans going, well, well, Man United did 20-odd games back in no, the 90s or something. It's like, no, no they didn't. They lost, so they lost the Super Cup. Lost the yeah. Super Cup. Um, so if you're going to use the, Euro- the conference league argument... The Zenit St. Petersburg. Yeah, but if you're going to use the conference league argument against West Ham, since it doesn't really validate the record, then... You lost the Super Cup, which is technically a glorified yeah. friendly anyway. So, swings and roundabouts. Well, we've got the record, and hopefully we can continue extending that so it's well out of reach. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It, it it underlines the work that David Moyes has done since he came back to the club. Uh, the incredible job he's done. Yes, last season's league form was a blip. You've even had players come out and admit that it was a blip. Suchek, in, in the great form he's in, recently said that, yeah, like last season, I wasn't really feeling up to it. And we saw that. This season, he's feeling more motivated than ever, he says. And look, he scored four goals already. He's almost level with Jared Bowen as top scorer at the club yeah. this year. So, like, it's it, the whole thing's been fantastic. David Moyes deserves a hell of a lot of credit for bouncing back through those tough times last year when he could have gone. A lot of clubs would have sacked him. Yeah. Uh, and the club needs the club deserves a lot of credit for sticking with him. But, yeah, it's been been superb. And um, just to, to continue doing it in Europe's Amazing, really. Yeah, the club also deserve a huge amount of credit, Jonesy, for signing Jared Bowen up to a yes. long-term deal. Seven years, we're led to believe. Um, reports of an £80 million uh, release clause in there and another just sensational piece of business by the club. And again, James, it's just that uh, these are the things that the new positive things that are happening that go unnoticed. You know, I know we lost Declan Rice. It seems to be proven this season so far, you mentioned Suchek already, that it's for the betterment of the club. I think our squad is better this season than it was last season. I feel, I, as we said on this podcast, I certainly did countless times, is that, you know, because I genuinely think, because Thomas Suchek is ugly and, that's, and a bit gangly, and I know that sounds a bit horrible, but because he's not, you know, hasn't got perfectly manicured hair like Declan and he's a bit gnarly because he likes to put his head in where most people put their boots. Um, and because he's a bit gangly, he doesn't get the credit he deserves as an attacking midfield player, as much as a, a defensive one. People just look at him and go, oh, yeah, gnarly sort of, you know, belongs as a holding midfielder. When I've said it all along, said it last season as well, Declan Rice, you know, might have wanted to develop this attacking side of his game, but he's not as good as Thomas Suchek is at it. And I'm delighted. And Thomas Suchek was the victim of um, being made to sort of play lapdog while Declan Rice explored this fantasy he had in his head of being the Frank, the modern day Frank Lampard, box to box type player. Suchek was then told, well, even though you're better at it, mate. You, you're going to be the holding midfielder, even though it's not for the betterment of the whole team. And sure enough, Declan Rice goes. We get a 100% holding midfielder in, in Alvarez. 
James Ward-Prowse, who I always said was going to be an excellent fit for West Ham. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's free to check up and he's banging them in again. Like, it's genuinely no surprise. I, I think it's brilliant. But the Jared Bowen thing, Josie, is, is just sensational news and business from from West Ham. I really just think it, it shows you where we're at. Like I say, we lost Declan Rice, but um, there was noted and accepted interest from Liverpool sort of billing him as, as Mo Salah's replacement and uh, Newcastle were apparently keen as well. <clears throat> but look, let's be honest, if well, that doesn't necessarily mean Jared won't go to either of those clubs still, but a seven-year deal means that they'll be coughing up, you know, what, what uh, there's there's mixed, uh, varied reports about the release clause. Some say no, some say it's around 80 million quid, which I would sort of feel is a smidge low um, because I think he's as, I think he's brilliant in a, in a key position in modern day football. But what it means is this deal that even if he does go to one of those teams, we'll get serious money for him again, just like we did with Declan Rice. And once again, we'll be able to pump that into the squad. Really good week. Yeah, it was a it was a nice surprise for not so much a surprise. You knew it was coming, but for them to release that news straight after the game kind of um, uh, kind of diluted a lot of the frustration and anger after that Newcastle game. Suddenly, you see that you sign a big deal, but um, I'd like to think that. I hope that there isn't a release clause because then that then gives us a little bit more bargaining power if one or two clubs do come in for him in a couple of years' time. But I think the the important thing is is that he comes out and says that you know he loves the project and you know he wants to end his career there. You know you can't really buy too much into those kind of words. But the project thing I think is is a huge statement really for for the club. How many times have you heard players sign contracts because they like the project at West Ham? Of course. Right. That, does, that doesn't happen. And suddenly we're in a position where... Or quite, how many times have you heard them say it and you think, they actually mean that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you go, yeah, I can Sophie see Sophie said it, I think. <laughs> yeah. But you, you look at it and go, well, there is clearly a project going on at the club. Um, and yeah. if players like Jared Bowen, who's wanted by the richest club in the world and one of the most decorated clubs in the country... And he's going, no, I'm going to stay because I like it and I'm, I like the projects that's going on and I'm really enjoying my football. That's, that's a massive statement for me. And um, it's just great news. We've been having for at least a couple more years, I think. I don't think many, many clubs will, will look for him for at least two years, given the size of that contract. And I don't know what his wages are, but he's the highest paid player at the club now. Yeah. Um, and, and fully deserved. so as well. And fully yeah. deserved. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great news, and it just puts that bit to bed now. I think that was the last thing that was hanging over us after the transfer window. Was you know, he's, he's started the season well. How long have we got? Are we a little bit worried if we don't sign him up before January? Will someone come in in January? But instead, we don't have to worry about that now, at least for 24 months, and then we can mm. see how we get on. But and he got the deserved England call up as well to boot, so happy days, yeah. No, exactly that, mate, yeah. Um Great summary to the introduction section there, I think, Jonesy. Just to let everyone know what's coming up on the uh, pod this week. Obviously, a much shorter episode after a couple of pretty mental, busy weeks. Uh, we get a, somewhat of a break. Uh, it's the international break this week, of course. So we'll have a brief uh, look back at the Newcastle and Freiburg games next. And then we'll have a Claret and Blue view 
with. And now, all I know this person as, he's a dedicated podcast listener. I've met him a few times. And you'd think as part of my prep uh, to doing this podcast and the interview that we're me and Jones are doing shortly after this, that I would have done enough prep to have at least found out his surname. But I've known this fella for probably, don't know, two to three years, I think. And all I know him as is Jonesy's brother's mate, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve. Steve Do you Hart. know his surname? Steve Hart. Steve Hart. Yeah, Hart, yeah. As in like like Ian of Leeds Infamy or H-A-R-T. No, H-A-R-T. H-A-R-T. Right, right, fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we've launched the Claret and Blue View this season. And most of you, to be quite honest, are loving it. I've had uh, lots of positive messages about it. I've had a wide variety of people on so far, journalists, actors, uh, West Ham fans. And we've got another uh, Hammers fan on. Well, I mean, they're all West Ham fans, to be fair, but they do come from a variety of different backgrounds been really interesting uh chatting to everyone this season uh, dave Shaw, jay's dad from in between us of course jordan davis the sun's west ham correspondent and uh yeah there's many, many more so far which has been great joey brophy from heineken couple more in the pipeline we're trying to get a nice little mix so yeah steve hart on this week for the claret and blue view we'll have no bet way charity bets we'll save those when ahead uh, of the next premier league game no opposition views because uh west ham aren't playing for a couple of weeks so a short sharp snappy one just the one podcast episode this week don't forget to follow us on the usual platforms at we are underscore west ham on twitter we are west ham pod on instagram please do leave us a review five stars and say some nice words or some mean words if you fancy it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the We Are West Ham podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if I haven't already said that. Uh, send us an email, wearewestampod at gmail.com. Buy us a pint if you fancy it at We Are West Ham. No, at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. I've read all the uh, housekeeping stuff out on this pod so much that unless you're listening for the very first time you probably do know it already so get in touch if you fancy it and stay with us for the review of the Freiburg Newcastle games before Steve Hart for the Claret and Blue View after that so Jonesy look just do a quick rundown of, of Freiburg first of all before we launch into the Newcastle game. I know it's sort of old news now, but Lucas Paqueta, a great header, like a salmon to put us one new up after eight minutes. Um, Salai equalised for them just five minutes into the second half, and it was a bit head-in-hands time. Like, oh, God, here we go. Um, but Nafa Gwed got the winner on 66, and ultimately, Jonesy, it was one of those classic West Ham performances under David Moyes. Everyone, I thought, had a reasonably good game. Uh, I thought everyone put in a pretty decent performance overall. There's a couple of like uh, question marks um, around perhaps Pablo Fornells didn't have his finest game, but then, you know, he hasn't had his, his sort of finest run generally recently as he's generally on the on the periphery now, which is a bit of a shame, but um, it's sort of the way it's going. Expect him to leave at the end of the, th- the, of the season. Uh, Thilo Kerr as well. Again, probably a bit rusty, not in the team all the time, uh, but I thought Mavrapanos 
played well coming in for a start. Yeah, not really a great deal to say. We were generally, I thought, the better team for all bar 10 minutes, maybe 15 at the beginning of the second half, which included their goal. Other than that, pretty comfortable. It was comfortable. I thought Paquette's goal was was fantastic. The way I mean, that's another part of his game that doesn't get a great deal of credit. I think he scored a few of those for us. Um, he? Yeah, he definitely scored one ahead uh, of like that against Bournemouth last year in a four 0 win, uh, and it might have been another. But he's got that in his locker. You know, he for him to jump and beat those two centre halves from across that. It's a great crossing of Bournemouth, didn't he? Um, I thought it was a fantastic goal. I mean, a lot of there was a lot of talk during the game about whether the keeper should have done better. Maybe he should have done. He had a bit of a shock at their keeper. Um, from what mm. I gathered, he was he was quite young and quite new in the team. Yeah. So maybe a bit of a Alex probably... from the Freiburg podcast did say that last week, didn't he? He said he's yeah. twenty one, one of the youngest number ones in the Bundesliga. He's made a yeah. couple of mistakes, but they're sort of sticking with him. But he did look a bit shaky, didn't he? He looked shaky and. He, he went missing for the winner, kind of came out, they're going to punch it and there's nowhere near it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we were a benefit from that a little bit, but I thought, yeah, we were the better team, um, which, like we said in the intro, was is refreshing. Um, given the, the quality of the opposition, they weren't at the races for the first half, um, gave us some problems in the second, but as always, you can rely on James Ward-Prowse to put a, put a great cross in the box at some point and Agred nodded it in. So, yeah, a really, really good win and um, sets us up nicely for Olympiacos in a couple of weeks. And if we can win there, then we're driving the seat and it's, it's ours to lose, really, isn't it? First spot. Yeah, quite agree, mate. Quite agree. That Olympiacos game is exciting. I just oh, I just love the European football. I just think it's a real shame we couldn't go because uh, I would have proper fancied that in a little two or three day. Uh, nip over to Freiburg, but the uh, yeah Olympiacos game coming up. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. I'm not sure, Jonesy, what the situation is at the moment or if there's been any updates ticket-wise. It's all been a little bit like, um, I don't know, a little bit precarious, isn't it? We've obviously got that suspended away match ban, um, which is has been sort of hanging over us. Um, but we've been allocated 1,600 tickets only for the um, Olympiacos game. Uh, whether or not uh, you're going to get to, I assume that will sell out as usual. Um, but yeah, the, the information's only just sort of gone up live on the website with, on the West Ham website that is. Uh, 1,600 tickets. I'm really looking forward to it, to be quite honest. I think it'll be great. But yeah, there was almost that. There was question marks, first of all, wasn't there, around AEK Athens. I think it's them playing on the same night uh, in another competition, which they're not allowed to do. They're not allowed to play on the same night as Olympiacos because of fan trouble and stuff. So I, I there was question marks over West Ham's game being moved, which it hasn't been. Um, but yeah, 1,600 uh, tickets up for sale for that one. Promises to be a good one. I imagine you'll get a few fancy in it. Jonesy, don't you, as the um, you know our first away game of the uh, the Europa League campaign this season, and with the other one being back at Apola, yeah, you're not going to get many tickets out there. Yeah, I reckon we'll, we'll have a lot out there. I think there'd be one of those because because of where it is as well. Um, I think there'll be a lot of fans out there without tickets, just going for the crack, um, which we've seen quite a lot over the last couple of years. People just going mm. um, for the sake of it. 
but particularly given it's Athens, um, I would I would wouldn't be surprised if there were five or six, maybe seven thousand West Ham fans in Athens for that for that for that day. Mm. Need to be a little bit careful, I think, Olympia. I've just got a bit of a track record. As far as crowd trouble goes, I think we saw some footage not too long ago of a game uh, in Greece. I think a real Betis game it was. Um, yeah, so just obviously for anyone going out, they keep your wits about you. But Olympiacos are genuinely like a revered and huge name in European football. I was most excited when their name came out of the hat, so that would be a good one. Um, Jonesy, let's, let's move on then. We'll, we'll look at those games in a bit more detail when they come up, but let's talk a little bit more about this Newcastle game. Uh, we'll go with decisions first of all. I think we need to get stuck in with those because, look, look, you know, what, what, what ones were you most aggrieved about? Because I think the Bruno Guimaraes, Deserved a second yellow card. He got booked, uh, first of all, for a trip on Emerson, I believe it was, as he was breaking. And then the second one was arguably worse than that, where he it was a late slide tackle on James Ward-Prowse, who'd nicked the ball off him on about the halfway line and could have set West Ham up on a two-against-two sort of situation. Uh, he didn't get booked for that. Um, Emerson gets booked for uh, waving the old yellow card, the imaginary yellow card. Um, at the referee, so he, Bruno should get booked for the first one. Then Emerson gets a yellow for that, understandably, because I don't think players should be doing that. Miguel Almiron then does exactly the same uh, when a West Ham player makes a foul a little bit later on. The referee decides not to book Almiron for that. And then, the like you said, Lucas Paqueta outmuscles Sandro Tonali in a 50-50 when Newcastle are in a vulnerable position because Lucas Paqueta is, as much as he's a mercurial, skillful genius, is as strong as an ox. And the referee gives a foul inexplicably. So I'm already annoyed that he's put pay to West Ham breaking up the other end of the pitch and scoring. And then from the resulting free kick, which Newcastle should never have won, uh, obviously not ideal, but Trippier swings it in. Edson Alvarez loses his bearings a little bit and perhaps provides one of the best-headed assists you'll ever see to set up <laughs> Alexander Isaac. Um, yeah, Newcastle score. Obviously, the other goal, Newcastle score, was a decent, it was a tidy goal, to be honest. Trippier does well again. Uh, Isaac on the end of it. But what were you most aggrieved by, referee-wise? Well, it's those two big decisions for me. I think the, the, the decision not to send Gamirez off uh, changes the entire game completely. Uh, we're one new up at that point. Um, and for some reason, he's decided that, I don't know whether he's bottled it, whether he's felt like two identical fouls in the space of a minute means that he probably don't know, comes under a bit of pressure if he does show two quick yellow cards. We've seen it so many times where players have been booked so close to each other and seen red. Well, Kovacic definitely Kovacic should have been should, sent, should have been sent It's the same thing. It's like, have they now decided that, oh, maybe... Uh, the, no, in my book, the warning is the first yellow card. So if he goes and does it again a second time, mate, you've been warned already, mate. Like you're off. Yeah, it's exactly. You've the same got an thing official warning. For. Yeah, <laughs> I've just booked you for the exact same thing. You're gone. Yeah, like yeah. he's gone. They're it's called cautions been, for a reason. Yeah, it's if he's gone. Look, I've just booked you. This is your last warning. It's like that's not how. It's not. That's not in the rules, mate. Like that's not no. how it works. Yeah. You've had the um, warning. Yeah, 
you've had the warning. Yeah. If you get and two it, warnings, then you get sent off those. Yeah, that's what's yeah, written down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you always get the customary warning after three or four fouls. And then it's like the next foul. If I have to pull you up again, it's, it's, it's a yellow. It's a yellow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're normally like sort of menial little sort of niggly fouls, yeah. in, you know. But these were these were two fouls that prevented counter attacks. They're yellow cards, clear yellow cards. Doesn't matter how many fouls he's made before. They're two clear yellow cards straight off the bat, and he's only given one of them. Um, so that changes the entire game, really. Uh, I think, I think, given the fact that. Both of those fouls prevented counter-attacks. You needed to... You know, if they lose a midfielder, we have more opportunities to to create those counter-attacks. And suddenly there's no one there to, to, to make those fouls. And there's about three or four of those in the first half where I think Almiron did, did a similar one. Um, maybe Longstaff. There's a few of them. And we're going, why, why is no one getting booked here? Like, there's mm. no yellow cards. Wait, wait, where are your cards? Um... And then obviously the the free kick that led to their 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 equaliser. Like it's as if like Tonali's been awarded for not being very strong or not trying to win yeah. the ball fairly. Like yeah. it's as if like Paquet, like he's gone, Paquette, mate, sorry, you're just a little bit too strong for Tonali. We're gonna to give Tonali the free kick there. Yeah. Like it's a 50-50 tussle for possession. Yeah. Tonali lost fair and square. And for some reason, the referee's right in front of him. Peter Banks is right there. It happens right in front of him. How he's not seen that? The entire ground. I've spoken to Newcastle fans since, and they've gone, well, when it happened, we we were, we were baffled. We don't know why he gave it. No. Um, like, if the, if there's 62,000 fans in the stadium that can see that in real time, and the bloke that's five yards away can't, we've got a problem <clears> in our game. There's a real problem in our game. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they score from it. They then go up. Three minutes later, they're winning the second goal. I've seen some people complain they've zoomed in on Isaac or well, Isaac pushing Aguirre just before the ball comes to him. So, no, it was, it was, was also a foul. One, yeah, was sort of, you know, for the second goal. For the second goal. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's giving him a bit of a nudge, but I'm sorry, but Aguirre's got to be better than that. He's got to be stronger. Yeah, nah. He's got to be much yeah. better. That's that's a fair goal for me. Um, but you know, Kudos comes off comes off the bench and saves the day for us. Um, but it's just it's the whole thing's just shrouded in just again poor referee and poor use of VAR, and it's just a bit of a bit of a disgrace, really. I don't mean it's as much the VAR sort of thing, really, because like I say, with the uh, they're not maybe this is something that needs to be changed, which might be the point you're making, but. They're not allowed to get involved in yellow card things, are they? So that's sort of down to the on on field ref decision. But it's just like it's just rubbish. It's, it is exactly what you said, isn't it? It's that um, oh, we've just we've just given a booking, so I don't want to ruin the game. It's like what are you chatting about? Like it's the rules. It doesn't matter. You don't only give second yellow cards if they're ten minutes apart. That's not how it works, mate. Like that foul was yeah. worse than the other one. Like, we're clearly on the way out the pitch. Like, he should walk for that. Like, it's, and Bruno said afterwards, didn't he? He said, oh, I don't think the first one was a yellow. Basically saying the second one definitely was, but the first one probably not. And I reckon he's, he's sort of got half a point there, but he still trips Emerson as he's breaking up the pitch like, and sticks his leg out. I do think he's got half a point, but it doesn't really matter. Like, 
it's not for the ref to then undo a previous bad decision. If he doesn't think that's a yellow, he's been too harsh on him. He can't then, when he does a worse challenge, go, oh, no, I better even this out now. That's You're into a, a, an absolute mess, disaster then, aren't you? And it's just, yeah. just not how it should work. Um, yeah, I, to be honest, when could have scored, I didn't see it coming. And I had that really annoyed sense of like injustice, of the, that, that typical sense that I get every now and then, which is basically the feeling that drove me to be such a pro-VAR advocate before it come in. Because I was bored of leaving games going, well, that hasn't been decided by the quality of the football there. Like, mm. we've just been robbed just because it's a bigger team or whatever. Um, or poor officials. And, and I genuinely think that that on the weekend, my dad made a very good point where he just said he just lost it. Like, he just lost control of the whole occasion. It was like the atmosphere was too good. The quality of play from both teams, to be fair, was too good. And he, he just completely lost control of it and didn't know what he was doing. And like you say, that's when you sense he started trying to even up bad decisions he's made before rather than just taking a deep breath and going, right, forget what's gone before. Like, start again, get control of the game and crack on. Yeah, but he he didn't do that at any point. And I genuinely, I was delighted when could have smashed it in because I was proper one of those, you know, when you do an angry celebration. Yeah, rather than than a joyous one. You're just like, yes, yes. (laughs) Like, Like proper one of those. And uh, yeah, rather than like delighted because you're like, yeah, you know, two fingers to the to the injustice that was about to befall us. Um, and as it was, yeah, we should have won. But we do need to take our hats off, Jonesy, do we not, to uh, our two goal scorers. I, I do would like to say I thought Newcastle were pretty good. They they played well in the second half, better. In the second half, we played were, yeah. well. Yeah, really good, generally good, entertaining game of football. Yeah. Um, that I enjoyed and again would have been even more entertaining and enjoyable if the um, the officiating had been yeah exactly if the officiating <laughs> had been as much of a good quality as the atmosphere and the two sets of teams uh, and the coaching but hey uh, so be it Tommy Suchek again hats off what a goal that was I love that goal Emerson is like a quiet assassin he's rapidly becoming one of my favourite West Ham players doesn't really get loads of credit but he has been class since he's come in and no one would have Cresswell anywhere near that team. Uh, now Emerson's on board. He was brilliant and just wonderful again, wasn't it? Excellent ball from, from Paqueta. Great touch from Emerson. At first I was like, what a touch genius. Watched it back and on match of the day, I was like, uh, not quite sure that was as on purpose as I first <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> but to take it around, Nick Pope sets up Suchek who slams in. But again, you've got to be there, haven't you? Not a great goal from Thomas Suchek, but having that sense and the Chris was not making that run. No, no, but I'm sorry, I mean Suchek has got to be. Oh, in Suchek, the middle. yeah. Yeah. Like doing the doggies, isn't he? Like Paqueta had the ball, so Suchek feels confident to to overlap him. He's in the box, busting the gut. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, could have sort of understandably getting the headlines. Uh what an impact. We've been calling for ages. I get once again I was disappointed that he was on the bench. Um felt like, especially in the build up, you know, Antonio's got a niggly injury, he might not be fit. It's like, well, why are you risking playing him if he's if he's had an injury leading up to the game? 
then why are you playing him? Like, play Kudus. And, um, Instead of, what, Antonio up front? Yeah, just play him. Like, if we've just spent all that money on him, I know Moyes came out and so he's going to be in the team for years to come, so he's got time, really, yeah. no rush. But he comes off comes off the bench, plays well again, uh, and then gets the equaliser. It's a really good finish. Uh, great mm. work from uh, from Soufal. Another assist for Soufal. Um, yeah, I know. Genius, isn't he? Yeah. It's great. And uh, I think that's four in his last five games. Incredible. Um, mm. So, yeah, like he's shown what he can do now. He's shown what he can do in Europe. Shown what he can do in the Premier League. Like we should start seeing him starting more games now. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, I don't care who gets dropped. I mean, for me, yeah, which is a reasonable um, question, and it is a reasonable question. I think, like, the, I wanted him to start the weekend because there were question marks over Antonio. You know, how do you fit him in now? Um, everyone's playing well, and Moyes quite rightly said that everyone's playing well, so there's no rush to try and force him in. Um, but I want to start seeing him just just try it, just give, give him a go because he's not going to. You can't rely on him to Instead be, of uh, who, genuinely though. Instead of who. Well, this is this is it. I mean, Suchek's playing too well. You can't drop a. a I don't think you can drop a midfielder. You can't um, drop Jimmy. Absolute set piece sensation. No, you can't. Um, this is why I, th- I think maybe maybe it is Bowen Antonio or Paqueta. Maybe it, maybe it is Antonio. And you, but is you he sent have... forward? You can. No, Antonio isn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you can play centre forward. Um, maybe you have him and Bowen almost rotating between right and, oh. and middle because Bowen can play. Bowen can play both. Bowen's far more effective out he, on the right. I didn't he, say he, the almost, other day. He, he almost scored right at the end there. How that ball didn't go yeah. in back and out, I don't know. Um, ben Rahm, and obviously, on the classic, spot. classic Bowen um, on on that right. But he and he and Kudos could play quite effectively together. I think in that in those in those two positions. Um, but it's good to see him come off the bench. And I think you alluded to before that, you know, every single player's playing well and the team, the squad's better this year. The fact is, is now we've got depth, a little bit of depth yeah, off the bench. Exactly. You know, yeah. to be able to bring on, bring on Kudos and know that okay, we're, we're bringing on a player here who is very, very good quality and can add something a little bit different to our attack. And then he goes and proves it to save us a point. Um, we've not had that for a while. You know, used to, you know, like, I mean, I've, I've been a staunch defender of um, Ben Rama over the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, but it's a massive, up, that. it's a massive upgrade on bring it on, uh, bringing on a, a player to change a game in the last 15, 20 minutes of a game. Of course it is. Um, of course it is. And yeah. Ben Rama did, did come on in the same game and didn't really do anything. Um, of so, so, so yeah, like, I, I'm I'm very pleased with him. I just want to see him play a little bit, a few more minutes. Um, but it's a dilemma for Moyes. It's a dilemma. I for don't. Him. Yeah, I agree. But I I genuinely I think Moyes is right. I just think you know we're winning, we're playing well at the moment. Um, and I think Suchek is going to play in. Suchek is going to play, especially against teams like Newcastle and against more difficult opposition, where it's important, and it is important, to stay in games, right? Because Suchek is clearly the more all-round right, option. Yeah, he's not going to dribble around 15 people, fair enough. And when we play, you know, Luton or Everton after the Olympiacos game, we've got Everton at home. Then you go, or Forest on the 12th of November at home, Burnley away. Then you go, you know what? You know, fair enough. Maybe you go to Suchet. Look, you're playing brilliantly at the moment, mate. Love it. But we're confident 
that we can be a little bit more attacking in this game. Uh, so we're going to put Big Mo on from the off, uh, Edson and uh, Jimmy Ward-Prowse. Or you could even... Uh, no, I don't think you drop Edson. I'm going to no, stop myself no. before I even say that. But no. you... Um, yeah, and you say, look, yeah, Edson and Jimmy Ward-Prowse are going to do a lot of the defensive stuff. We're going to put Big Mo on because we fancy we'll put these to the sword. Uh, I don't think he's... And when we're 3-0 up, then we'll we'll put you on to solidify it. Moisey doesn't tend to do that, does he? He tends to go with solidify first and then like bring on the options to change the game. And like you say, now we've got an option to change it. I don't mind really if for games against tricky and decent opposition like Newcastle are and were, that he goes, nah, you know, we'll... We'll stick Tommy up there because he still can score. And then Big Mo comes in and changes the game. But, yeah, it, it is a dilemma, but it's nice to actually have dilemmas, isn't it, Jonesy, rather than the first 11 pick in itself and then you just have subs on the bench because you're allowed to have some. Like, yeah, <laughs> rather three, than... three, of that, three of those are goalkeepers. So, yeah, goalkeepers exactly. should be sent up front this week, yeah. Yeah, the under-15s keeper or whatever. Yeah, you're, you're quite right, Jonesy. But, look, another great week um, for West Ham. Unbeaten again. That is four matches now that West Ham have not lost a game for, which is absolutely brilliant. Should have won against Newcastle, but you'll take a point, I think, at the end of the season. That will look a particularly good one. And yeah, getting going great guns as usual in Europe. No game till Aston Villa away on Sunday, the 22nd of October. Uh, and then the next Europa League game is away at Olympiacos on the 26th. Stay with us. Just one, two more sections left this week. The Claret and Blue View and then a very, very brief uh, final thoughts and a goodbye from me and Jonesy. The We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call or a shout. It's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. So the Claret and Blue View with Will Pugh is back. I'm delighted to say that joining me this week is actually James Jones for, I think, perhaps the first time this season. He isn't a guest on the he podcast. Is. He just figured he would stick around for this one. But actually joining us for the Claret and Blue View section is, and as I introduced him earlier on, his real name is Steve Hart, but I just know him as Jonesy's brother's mate, Steve who listens to the podcast all the time. And fortunately, every time I see you, Steve, usually at an away game, and we're having a couple of beers with uh, with Jonesy and, and the gang, you normally make a point, and this is why I like you so much, we're so keen to get you on the pod, of going, I totally agree with what you were saying against Jonesy last week. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, there we go. No, uh, thank you for having me, guys. Um, I say, I, 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 this season, I'm quite mellow with my opinions so far, but I, generally in seasons gone by, I can be quite passionate about my thought process. Sometimes right, sometimes not, but uh, I try. Yeah, well, I mean, me, the last time I saw you... Go on, Josie, sorry. I was going to say, me and you have come to blows quite a lot over the years when it comes to West Ham. You're very it's positive. Like actual fun. blows. No, just uh, verbal no. blows. Verbal James blows, is yeah. very positive, and I am sometimes perceived to be slightly negative, I guess. Really? 
Sometimes. Yeah. Is that the dynamic in your friendship group then? I mean, Generally. Steve is, I, I've always known Steve is just an incredibly negative West Ham fan. <laughs> but, but maybe I'm over the last, rational. yeah, maybe over the last year to 18 months, I've, I've, I begin to think. I begin to think. Well, maybe it's kind of it comes across as negative, but actually, it's just his passion coming through, and um, it's, it's 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 misplaced negativity rather than actual negativity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, look, that's, I, that's what. Go on. I was. I know what I think from the start of something. So certain things we do, I'm like, I hate that idea, and often they can be wrong. As in Lingard and Dawson, I was like, what are we doing? Awful signings, and two weeks later, I'm like, Ballon Dawson. <laughs> Lingardino, so it's, it's not. I, I definitely get it wrong as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I think very similar to me saying James Ward Prowse will never fit in at West Ham. Why on earth are we signing him? Uh, I do. I feel your pain on on those days. To be quite I honest, I spent four years saying we should sign Ward Prowse, and he got to this summer, and I was thinking forty million. He's thirty. We don't need him now. And then, like two weeks later, like, I've always liked James Will Prowse. Brilliant. Story, so. <laughs> yeah, I spent quite a long time. The only sort of the, the only reason I don't want to admit this too freely will soon become clear. I spent quite a long time, probably the same amount of time as you, saying we should sign Danny Ings. Um, yeah, now we've done that. I just regret that point somewhat. <laughs> there's always the little ones we can't just go through a window where i'm like brilliant totally satisfied this year probably as close to getting one um yeah but then in january i was like Ings, for God. like maybe alone where we can see like not 15 mil highest paid player now we're stuck with him forever like there's always one of those isn't there it's that's just west ham for you i guess Exactly, mate. Look, well, look, Steve, I, I think you're going to be an excellent one for the Clara and you question that we'll ask uh, at the end of this bit, which is basically like a speaker's corner bit. The floor will be yours for up to two minutes, however long you need, really, just to make a, either a point or put out an opinion that you hold dear to your heart. It might frustrate you. It might be something you love about West Ham. We've had passionate defences of the London Stadium so far on the Claret and Blue View, saying what a great arena it is and it gets too much stick. We've had, obviously, people sticking up for Moisey. We had um, a guy saying how he's a bit gutted that West Ham have never had an iconic alcohol sponsor on the front of their shirt, Alar Carlsberg of Liverpool, Strongbow with Leeds and Nuki Brownow with the tune and so on. So anything that you either find yourself saying in and amongst your mates, which I know includes Jonesy, uh, yeah. And even no one listens, but anything you're passionate about, that will come later on. But first Perfect. of all, the last time I saw you in person, Steve, was Prague. Yeah. And, you know, it would be remiss not to to kick off with that. How did you define that whole experience? Because it's been really therapeutic for, to me, for me, hearing how different it was for so many different people who were there. Yeah, so I think the whole kind of European journey, I don't really pay too much attention about getting to a final till you're in a semi. And then Frankfurt came around, I was like, oh, we could do this. I think there were times, Seville away, we didn't look like we were going to get through that. Leon with the red cards, and then you get to the semi-final. I thought, not to be too critical, we weren't great in the semi-final. And we somehow got there pretty comfortably without really doing much. So I, and I don't gonna kind of pretend I know a lot about Florentina, but I was like, it's a final. We can turn up for one game. We're going to be... Brilliant. Prague in general, the city was amazing. It felt like a four-day stag do to the point where I kind of forgot we were going to the game. It wasn't until we even got to the stadium outside, we were having a few drinks outside, until I kind of saw the pitch through kind of 
as you were walking out. I was like, we're here to watch West Ham. It was just, I had such a great time that even if I hadn't gone to the game, even if we hadn't won, it would have been a brilliant trip. It turned out to be one of the best couple of days of my life. It was the scenes afterwards. I think Jonesy, obviously, um, with your dad's 60th birthday on the same day, sitting with you and your brother to win it in the way we did. I didn't feel like I really watched much of the game. I, it was more just kind of taking it all in. At one point, I'm looking up and Ariola's spilling the ball over the line. And I'm like, what the hell happened there? I didn't, I didn't even know they were attacking. So I can't say I kind of watched the game. I was just kind of in awe of all of it. Um, and I think to win the way we did, when I was a lot of despair with Moyes, thinking the players aren't performing, thinking this season it's a bit of a write-off. And if we lose this game, we're losing Rice. Obviously, we did anyway. But And Moyes will go. I think it was just... The culmination of that season is everything that is to be a West Ham fan, I think. Steve, obviously, we, we were there together and you, you mentioned, obviously, we were sitting sitting together as well. Um, did you did you really feel like this is the day? This is the day that this 40 or 50-year thing ends? Because I've, I try and look back now. I'm looking back and I try and think about how I was feeling in that day. And also, I want you to clear up a, a thing that Will doesn't believe is true, but I want I want you to clear something up a little bit for me. Sure. But I look back at that day, and it, you're right. It didn't really feel... It felt like a stag do more than going, for, going to the game. But I genuinely... I went into it going, this is definitely going to happen. Like, this doesn't... You don't get 60,000 fans of one team gathered in one city if they're not there to celebrate at the end of it. Like it was almost, it was almost if like it, it had to happen. Otherwise, like I didn't feel like true. Florentina were there. I didn't feel like we saw more than twenty Florentine fans the whole time we were there. I think we got in the stadium and it felt like a home game. It felt like everything that was corporate was West Ham. And then the game started, and it didn't feel like watching. It was like a final. You kind of see the clips of Newcastle PSG, and you think the fans and the tackles. You almost imagine that yeah. as a West Ham final. Just it didn't have that energy. Um, I think people, both teams, have kind of playing it a bit more comfortable. When we didn't concede that goal and went one up, I was like, this is ours. And then at one all, when he put it wide, I went, we're going to somehow ruin this. But then I think as soon, we were right on the line for Bayern being played through. And it's a lot yeah. tighter in the replay than I remember it. I remember thinking, he's on here, like he's through. And when it went in, I was just like, oh my gosh. But I also thought it was about the 70th minute because that's how much charge. <laughs> I didn't have that focus of time. And then I think I said to someone, how long do you reckon's left? And they're like about a minute. And I, was, I didn't realise we were in stoppage time at that point. So it was, yeah, yeah, it was all a bit of a blur, but um, it felt appropriate the way we won it. It wasn't vintage kind of West Ham in the final, kind of if you think back to the Liverpool final where people were shattered, every player left everything on that pitch. I think Emerson was mm. about the only one, if we'd lost the game, he would have come out with any real credit. Um, yeah, yeah. But, then none of that matters, does it, really, at the end of the day? It's, we won, and that's what gets remembered. No, yeah, I'd, quite. Just, just just quickly, off the back of that, well, I've I've maintained that so be, it was like a stag do. We had four days of heavy, heavy drinking, but on match day, and I want you to kid this up for me, because I'm, I'm... No, you've got to ask... No, 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 it's got to be an open question. You can't put your point to him and then okay. say, is All this right. true? All All right. Right. How, how many beers do you think we drank on match day? On match day, James I mean, in particular. It, 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 bearing in, in mind, particular. bearing in mind, we started at what ten in the morning, went for breakfast. Yeah, we, had we, ten. We, we ended at what, was four or five in the morning. So yeah, I I got in at six and we started at ten with breakfast. I dread to think I was on gin and tonics, and there were certain times that I wasn't drinking them as quickly as everyone else. But it was there was no point where someone wasn't either drinking a beer or asking for a beer. There was no there was no real cues. I. 
I dread to think how much we drank. I feel like I probably had 10 or 12 drinks post-game. So I dread to think <laughs> how many were during the day. So, mate, can you put a number on how many beers you think I drank from the first beer at 10 with breakfast to the last beer before we went back to the hotel at like four, five in the morning? I'd be shocked if it wasn't 20 plus. Thank you very it's much. The, it's the most cringy bit of dick swinging that James does. It's but... not a dick swinging contest. I just said I can't believe match day. It was that heavy that I must have had about between 20 and 30 beers, probably closer to the 30 mark because of the length of time we were drinking. And it stopped. It was interrupted where it'd be like, right, we're now going to the ground. Oh, we've got to the ground. We're having two beers at the ground before we go in. Oh, we're having a beer at half time. And there's, there's three. You don't even realise you've had them. Um, yeah. It was one of those days where there was no concept of time. I was thinking even if win, lose or draw, kind of like Liam, where we were kept in after, we're probably not going out. And then some of us walking at six in the morning, yeah. just out of like a dark bar that we were all in. And you lost. Yeah, it was just one of those days where natural hire just kept you going. Yeah, Steve, I, I, I will be honest. And look, I, only because I, I just I like to take an opportunity to laugh at Jonesy when I can. And it just said, oh, yeah, 30 points the other day. Yeah, yeah, of course <laughs> you did, mate. Yeah, but the, the, the main reason that makes me doubt him is because I went out, I agreed to meet him uh, after the Sheffield United game the other day when I discovered that he'd gone to the game on his own. Now, like all of uh, the usual people he watches, the home games with weren't weren't there. They're all at the golf in Rome. And so yeah. he'd gone to the game on his own. I agreed to meet him afterwards for a couple of beers. Uh, we had, I think, three to four drinks together. Uh, and then he was the drunkest man I've ever seen in history and had to take himself off home. So I just find it a bit hard to it, believe. It's the highest he... of beating Sheffield United, not the same as Prague, <laughs> Jonesy. Is that, is Mate, that I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what happened to me. I don't know what happened to me. It must It must have been something in the Stratford air that day because I was, I was in a bad way. Yeah, I just find it a bit difficult to think that the three drinks I had ever with him sent him over the edge. Uh, but he had 10 times more than that, apparently, in Prague. A day, to be fair, where I did also see you in person. You look a little bit worse for wear towards the end of the night, Jamesy. I will admit that. But look, Steve, obviously Prague was iconic memories. And before we get on to, to the other stuff about the current form and all that sort of thing, just give us a, a brief rundown um, of your sort of like West Ham journey is the best way I can think of describing it. We've had a wide variety of people living all over the world trying to support West Ham. But, uh, you know, some people whose parents like mine passed it on to me. Some people just chose West Ham for some bizarre reason. Um, yeah, how did you get right. into it? Have you experienced supporting West Ham from when you were a kid to, to where you are now, really? Yeah, granddad and dad, season ticket holders. Um, it was kind of forced upon me. I don't remember ever making a choice. Um, had a season ticket from, I think it was the 96, 97 season, or at least started going at that point, maybe not the season ticket. Um, first game I ever remember, I think we beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-1. I was there for that. Um, I remember that very clearly. So then in from that time onwards, um, the had a season ticket from, I'd say, probably around six or seven to... 30 um still have the bond so i can kind of get away for the away games but um for my sins don't have a season ticket currently i kind of pick and choose the home games i go to and that yeah. kind of happened one with not loving the stadium experience as much as i used to and also so many games falling on a sunday in the last few years so i as long as i allocate the bond ticket to myself i can go to any home game i want but it's not i'm there for it um watch every game away probably a couple of times a year and then obviously with Europe but it's kind of just been a 
an experience that I didn't choose, but I've just kind of taken on and <laughs> run with and love. Just, just before... Just before Jonesy goes, sorry, James, how does it work? There'll be a lot of people listening. Steve, obviously the bondholders thing was a real contentious yeah. uh, issue when it first came about in the 90s. My dad and granddad, uh, along with many other West Ham fans, stopped going uh, yeah. that season, sort of, you know, in a in a rail to rail against the board somewhat. Uh, I, I think you're the first bondholder or family bondholder, whatever it is yeah. who I've come across before. How does that work or how did it work at the time? And and have you or your, your dad or whatever ever had any grief off the back of it from other fans? No, so this is my understanding. Obviously, I, I've, I believe I, whether I was born or not, I definitely wasn't conscious about what was going on at the time. Um, I no. Again, don't quote me on this, but my understanding was they said it's mandatory to renew your season ticket. You've got to buy a bond and I believe it was a thousand pounds an X amount, 300 people who kind of followed the corporate line, including my dad and granddad said, yes, purchase one. Um, right. I think they wanted to do up one of the stands with the money. Everyone else went absolutely no chance, ran on the pit, said no. And then they kind of had to make the bond, the people that purchased the bond, I think there had to be an element of value to it. So it's a hundred years priority tickets for any games, um, home away, cup, Europe, etc. So I think they, they kind of tried to enforce it upon everyone. and. X amount of people at the time said yes to two of them being my dad and granddad. I believe it was a thousand pounds loaned to the club and you got a hundred pounds off your season ticket every year. So you'd get it back. Right, okay. But I believe that was what they were trying to do and make everyone stump up a grand, which is a lot of money, but even in those times would have been far more. Um, and yeah, it didn't get a good response, but to me, I now have quite a valuable asset, I guess. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to have now, no doubt. But you can't even imagine a football club doing that these days, can you? Sort of no. asking the fans to club together and lend them a few quid. Well, they just sold our best players instead, late down the line, instead of asking for a bond. It's like, oh, Rio, yeah. cheers, thanks. You've just done a our stand instead. I don't know which is I'd prefer. <laughs> yeah. Steve, you mentioned, you mentioned in there that part of the reason why you don't go as often um, as you used to is the stadium. Sort of don't yeah. quite like the match day experience. Is there anything in particular nope. that you, you that you don't like? Because I know we've had this conversation quite a lot over the years since we moved. Um, I'm now of the opinion that actually it's all right. It's it's got a lot yeah, better over the years. Right. It helps the fact that we're winning and we're doing well. Yeah. We just won a trophy, and David Moyes has, has revitalised the club and the feeling around the club. But what is it that, that that still isn't really to your to your liking? And also, what do you think the club should be looking to change about the stadium just to make it better, particularly on a match day? It isn't even just a stadium. It is, it is a stadium too. But when we used to go to Upton Park, you went to the same two or three pubs, depending on time of year. It was just kind of a religion and it was a, I guess, habit. You didn't even think about, do I renew, do, do I renew my seat ticket? Do I go to this game? It was just kind of a routine thing that you did. It's just really part of your enjoyed. life, isn't it? Yeah, you didn't think twice. And then we went to Olympic Stadium and we tried the Carpenters and I didn't like that. And we tried somewhere else. And it ended up like I'm drinking in a pub in Stratford High Road that's nothing to do with football, with half the people in there not feeling like West Ham. Going to the stadium, not feeling like I'm at a game, feeling like I can't see what's going on. I think my dad moved his season tickets a couple of times and it, I just can't, it doesn't feel like I'm at anything other than like, a concert it feels like i'm just mm. watching something that i enjoy watching not i'm part of the, the west ham experience i grew up with and i still go but there's times where i a culmination sometimes the football's not been great i remember i went to brent brentford last year i think we lost two now i don't think we had a shot it was a pretty awful game it was a pretty awful day beer wasn't great and i just went 
could have spent an hour and a half watching this on TV and I've been doing it for so many years. It's kind of like it just gave me a chance to reset and say, how do I want to spend my weekends? And it, it's kind mm-hmm. of more along those lines. It's not one particular thing. If they could move the seats a bit closer and kind of get that atmosphere, I think the away fans are set up for them is atrocious. And I think if you could have a situation where the away fans could feel more involved in the game, it would help the atmosphere. I remember every time we play United at Upton Park, their fans, it felt like they had the whole stand. They were so loud. And it was like you hear them score, the goal goes in, and it was just the worst thing in the world. But you had that feeling at a game. Now it's kind of just like they're tourists tacked miles away. You don't really hear them. You don't really feel like they're there in the game. And I think if they could bring it all a bit closer, and, and I think they've sorted out a lot of the issues with the standing and people moaning and that side of, like, side of things. But a little bit more of a football stadium would be nice. And I'd say the away fans are important in garnering an atmosphere for a game and I just think they're just yeah. kind of nowhere near it. It's similar when we go yeah. to Newcastle, right? You're just up there. You don't feel like you're really there. Yeah, I agree. So that, honestly that I that I've never heard it put as well as that. You the, the point you make there about you go, but you just feel like you're there to watch a performance and you're you're that's exactly what it's like. I couldn't have put it better myself about that where before you felt like you were part of it, didn't you? Yeah. Exactly that. You were sort of this one massive body and like yeah. every single body and person in there was there desperate for West Ham to yeah, win the yeah. game. You felt you could influence the game. And I think we did at certain times. Yeah. I don't feel like that so much in the new place. No, and I, I sort of find it... And Look, I'm not saying people didn't leave early Upton Park. Of course they did when we were getting humped 4-0. Uh-huh. But typically, if we were drawing one all at home to like, you know, someone pretty like run the mill. One all at home to Crystal Palace, yeah, uh, on a on a Saturday in the middle of winter. You, you, you'd you maybe have like 10 people and you could almost see them because you could all see all the exits up to Park from certain yeah, where yeah. I was sat and you stand up. You could see the people leaving and you'd be like, what are they leaving there? We could get yeah, a win yeah. here. Even if we won nil down, you're not going, right? No, honestly, yeah. it really is like that. And, and I... Maybe you've just I've sort of got a bit used to it since being there, but that is what it is. You just you're there and you want West Ham to win, but there's been a couple of occasions, and you know, look, I've, I've sort of um, dad's obviously got we got the season tickets over in the, the Billy Bond stand still. Uh, I can't go as much similar situation to you because of work and weekends and stuff like that on the on the reg. And when I do go every now and then, I get a hospitality ticket, which is nice. Yeah, but there are some times where you feel you care a lot more about West Ham winning the game than lots of people around you. Yeah, and it's very much like people have gone, Oh, oh, West Ham are at home Saturday. Should we do that, or should we go to the theater, or should we go to the cinema? It's like it's something to do rather than a way of life. And I'm blown away by how well you've put that. I think that's yeah, exactly but you go, what it's You about. go to Palace away and you're envious. You see like Goodison Park, I'm envious. Like I miss it. And I'm not saying that we should have stayed there forever or it was even possible, whether we could have expanded. <laughs> kind of make that stadium feel a bit more like a football stadium, whether that is bringing them closer. But you've seen that Napoli commentator when they used to score the Higuain guy. They're miles from the pitch, but at least there's an atmosphere there. I can't, I can't quite put my finger on what we're missing. And it's definitely improving. Mm. And it's a work in progress and it obviously wasn't going to be perfect, but I hope in time they can make it a little bit more like what it was and, and everyone being together rather than just we're all watching something that we like. 
I just think you I think you have to lose something like that with that amount of people, especially at a club like West Ham. I just don't think there are enough people who are like diehard hardcore love West Ham with every fibre of their being. There's just yeah. not 60,000 of those. There's probably 35, 40,000, which you saw at some park. Yeah. Um, but then when you put those people in, in an arena like that with people who just, you know, would quite like West Ham to win, but not enough that I'm going to stay for the last 10 minutes, even if they're drawing yeah, yeah. one or could press for a winner, if it means I get home an hour later. Right. And I, they know just, that. They, they charge quite reasonable ticket prices, right, to attract those people that are on the yeah, fence about what they want to do on a Saturday or Sunday. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's getting there, but it's just not what it, what it was. It just feels like something different to me. Yeah, yeah, there was me, Jonesy, thinking that you were the sort of brightest, most illiterate one out of all your mates. Um, Steve's, made, Steve's made a point unlike any I've ever had you making the five years. I think right. I've been sitting across from you talking about yeah. that. And I'll tee him up for it as well. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's Steve, current form then. Um, talk to, you know, the, yeah. the, the sort of talking points we have been doing on this were initially Declan Rice, but I think that's been done now. I think everyone sort of feels the same um we're better without him yeah uh, david Moyes is also another one i was always sort of annoyed having to ask guests that every week because for me he's doing so well but the Moyes one does still split fans a little bit more so where do you stand on Moisey? i think on rice first of all i don't think we're better without him i think we're different right if someone said do you want the team you got today or do you want the team you got today with Declan rice i think every single fan would say we want Declan rice but i, I do think that in the short term at least with the sample size we're a lot more unpredictable i think there were times where you just watch whoever has the ball rice goes within six yards of them collects it short switch out to kufau kufau brings it down nothing on goes back two minutes later he's back at rice in the same spot and we go again yeah. like you see yeah. you see at arsenal he's getting very close to players kind of demanding the ball it's like you're at a better team now mate find a bit of space for yourself i think now other players are having to step up so check who i don't particularly love. I think his stats this season have been a little deceiving on his performances, but at least he's getting in the right areas and, and contributing yeah. again. Will Prowse seems like he's got kind of free reign to get forward as well. Alvarez, these like Will Prowse, Alvarez and Sochik are sharing the rice load really well, I think. Um, I was 60 minutes into the Bournemouth game, pretty content. They're not very good. Take the win first game of the season. I left that game going, God's sake, this is a joke. But have been quietly very happy with how we've been doing since. I think in prior years, 25, 30% possession, especially last season, came with one and a half chances a game, not sustainable. Mm. It's coming with five or six at the moment. So as long as we can continue to create chances, I'm not going to bent out of shape about how much we have the ball. Um, I think we're hard to play against. A slight concern so far that when one goal goes in, it's two, or when half time goes, another goal goes in as soon as we start. I think a little bit more concentration, but that will come. And if we can quietly go about our business, we don't need to have like the Brighton tag or the Newcastle tag with Spurs, with everyone looking over, oh, they're contenders, they're contenders. We can go along winning two out of four, two out of five for the rest of the season, picking up a few draws and being in with a shout for the top seven with six weeks to go in the season, I think we'll be very happy. It did, did eight get Europe this year? Depends on how well all of our teams do in Europe. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't know how like the coefficient co works. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'd assume with us winning the Conference League and City winning the Champions League, that must feed into that. 
No, I think it's I think it's this season. So it's how well we do this season. I think. Right. So we sort okay. of basically we want to be cheering on every English team in Europe this season because the Fantastic. further everyone gets, the better it is for England next season. Yeah. I think there's a weird situation where, dependent on who wins what trophies and who finishes where, you could have nine, ten teams in Europe one year. So I don't think there's still the same pressure to get top six. No, I think eight, we ma- be eight max, I think it is, yeah. But I saw something where, as well, like if you didn't finish in the top six, but you won Europa Conference League, and then someone else who didn't finish in the top six won Europa League, and then you get the coefficient spike, it could end up with like a crazy setup where I don't think people going forward are dropping out of Europe anymore in the new format. No. So I don't think that getting the so. top six will be the goal. I think it'll be getting top eight will be the goal. And I think we're well equipped yeah. for that on a go forward. Um, I don't think we're playing amazingly, but I don't think we need to play amazingly. I think we're doing exactly the right balance between picking up results and putting in a solid enough performance. Um, not convinced up top still. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'm seeing they want to try Bowen as a striker. It's like, no. it's the same as, would Liverpool say Salah, you go play up front, you're best on the right wing. Like, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what direction he goes in with getting kudos in. I assume you've got to drop Socek or Antonio, one or the other. I can't see him dropping anyone else, right? We've had that conversation already. Bad, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's two, they're, they're two of his favourites. But I assume if you drop Socek, you maybe pull in Paqueta back and stick someone who doesn't want to play left wing, left wing. If you drop Antonio... It's too much meddling to, for yeah. me. For a good team to accommodate one good player, I think it's the wrong way to go about it. I wouldn't be against us going Alvarez, Will Prowse, the catch on the left, Kudos in behind, Bowen on the right, Antonio up top, giving that a try. But I don't think we want to be moving Bowen off the left wing and I don't think also off the right wing and I don't think we want to be playing either him or Kudos up front. I think I've had enough of trying to. Paqueta's so good. I, I think moving him out of the middle, I just think. Yeah, I, you know what, I do agree, but the only thing I would say is when he's been playing on the left, I don't feel like he is. I feel he's just kind of a bit everywhere. Yeah. And I do, I do like the connection, yeah, he has with Emerson. I think that works quite nicely. Um, so, mm. yeah, I, I'm glad it's not my decision to make it. It's typical us. We still don't have a striker, but we've got two players that probably should walk into our 11 playing the same position. So, mm. <laughs> Steve, you, you, you briefly touched on it um, before about the start of play. Now, we've but the club have come under, particularly after the Brighton game, come under a lot of criticism about the style of football under Moyes. Now, mm-hmm. there's no doubt it's working. Last year, yeah. he tried moving away from it, tried to get playing a little bit more football, get on, gets on the ball a little bit, and it backfired in the league. What your, what's, what's your view on it? Because I'm, I'm of the view that I couldn't care less if we have 15% of, of possession every single game, if we're winning football matches, because that's essentially that's the whole point of football, isn't it? Winning football matches. I never quite saw this thing that people were talking about. We tried to play more expansive. I was watching. I didn't see us being particularly more expensive. I just saw us being pretty useless. So I don't think we tried. <laughs> yeah, that as well. Yeah, drastically different from the season before. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. If you, if you look back to our season when we had Lingard in, we were a counter-attacking team with pace, and we got players close to the striker, whether that be Lingard. If we can get back to that, whether it is Kudos or another, make Will Prowse has been doing it as well, making runs close to us. I don't really care what his setup is, and I don't know how much criticism he needs to take. I care when, at moments in the last few years, we've been very slow, build up, build up, build up, useless cross that's not aimed at anyone. It's just a hey, ball. Just call, just say it was Ben Rama. Just say well, it was Ben. It, it, it could be anyone. Kufau, who seems to have had like 
four assists in four games or something. He's now putting yeah. decent balls in. Vladimir De Bruyne. Well, and you'd look at it and go, whoever's playing up front, Haller, Antonio, Skamaka, they're no one near him. If they win the header, great, but they're not going to score from the ball that's been in. If they bring it down, there's no one to lay it off to. I'm just like, why are we, like, you're all professional footballers. Please play a little bit more with some like, intensity or creativity. So the chances we're creating this season are as good, I think, as the ones when we were back a few years ago, the Lingard year. Um, so as long as we can continue to create, I'm happy with a, whatever terms they want to use, low block or blah, 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 whatever people say these days. I'm happy with us sitting deep and compact as long as when we go, we go. And mm-hmm. I felt we were missing that last year and it feels like that's coming back a bit now. I don't want to repeat content on the podcast, but it was Declan Rice's Frank Lampard complex that was holding us back last year, reckoning he was this really talented attacking midfield player, not content with just doing the job he is world-class at, i.e. for England. And I know he budges a little bit forward with Arsenal now, but he's not a he's not a Frank Lampard, is he? Football's moved on from there now. You need you don't really have CMs anymore, do you? You're sort of a CDM or a CAM. James Ward-Prowse is arguably railing against that a little bit, but I just, I just thought it was the Declan Rice thing that was the cause of a lot of our problems. I thought I don't think he was quite as good in as often. I, I think even the games he wasn't great last year. I think it was Villa away. He was about four out of ten first half, but then was still our best player in the second half by a country mile. I don't want to get too much on the criticism of Rice because I think Sochek doesn't really offer much. I think even at the weekend, right, he scored. I saw it half-time, it pops up. He's had nine touches, one's a goal. He's had eight passes. He's made three out of eight, and he's playing centre midfield. I'm like, he is a bit of a passenger, right? So, obviously, they said, right, you can go further forward. Socek, you drop back. Now, Socek's offering nothing for a year. But I, I'm hesitant to criticise Rice because I despise the fact he's gone to Arsenal. I despise the fact Mikel Arteta is the best thing he's ever seen in his life. I hate their fans with a burning passion, but I don't want to turn around and start saying Rice wasn't great for us because he, he was, wasn't he? Like he, The only yeah. issue I had with him last year was I felt he was a bit petulant as a captain at times, flailing his arms around and wasn't being a leader that we were expecting. I think he was a bit me, me, me. And if we're in a relegation battle and you're going around, I'll take us for a cup of tea on a Tuesday night, get out of my club anyway. <laughs> Makes sense. Hey, uh, I don't disagree. Arsenal have taught him how to play football though, Steve. Never seen anything like it, has he? <laughs> weirdo. weirdo. And he's always been a weirdo, but he was our weirdo, so we allowed it. Now he's not our weirdo. I'm called, he's a freak, but it's, <laughs> yeah. he's, 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 he's amazing and he's one of our best ever players, so fine. Yeah. Don't be weirdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to stop seeing it. It's on Twitter. You can't search West Ham without it's everywhere, seeing 600 isn't it? posts about Declan Rice. I'm just like, please just leave us alone, mate. And then you get the worst thing about it. The worst thing about it was after their win against City at the weekend, as uh, an Arsenal fan pops up on my Twitter feed, I've been posting a, a video of um, Rice clapping the Arsenal fans after the game. And he was like, Dick and Rice, no words. And it was like, mate, all he's doing is clapping the fans after you've just won a game of football. Like, they are the worst. I don't, it's like... I don't think they're real, some of them. <laughs> yeah, Half I, of I... my Arsenal mates don't, don't really like football that much. The other half are right, and they know what they're talking about. Then there's like these people that just exist online. I'm like, are you real people? With some of the words they use, like, oh, Ramsdale, elite distribution, stuff like a Saliva season. I'm like, what? Grow up, you weirdos. Like, I can't take them seriously. Like, they do my name. You've got me on one here. I hate them. So much. Jay-Z, I, I know I don't need to tell you to clip that up. 
It's, oh, it's going on. It's going online. Yeah. That is that is being. It has gone anywhere. Uh, any other team in the world, I would have been fired. Go United. Go Liverpool. Go Bayern. Go Chelsea. I, I would rather went Chelsea. Uh, that team. That manager. Them fans. They do me nothing. <laughs> Triggered, <laughs> not I? Yeah, I would. I would say so. Steve, wow. Yeah. Um, Look, Steve, I mean, that, to be fair in itself, was was one of the finest uh, exhibitions of delivering a football take in the history, not only of this podcast, but in football content generally. So I can't wait what you've got to offer for Speaker's Corner. Claret and you, actually, the uh, yeah. Heineken's PR executive gave us that. Um, cheers to Joey Brophy, West Ham fan who come on a couple of weeks ago. And, and I was struggling with the, the name for this bit. So this is Claret and you. Uh, where you get to another, I say, max two minutes. But if, if it's as enjoyable as the stuff we've heard from you so far, Steve, you can take as long as you like, quite honestly. Um, but yeah, anything you like. It could be positive, negative, uh, uh, just a tiny little niche thing that you've always thought and, and never been able to say, or a proper mainstream, and you just want to use this opportunity to launch a defence of David Moyes. So, Steve, the floor is yours. I'm not going to defend David Moyes, but I'm also not of the same opinion I was of him last year. But I think if I'm given the floor, I'll go with, like, to me, what it is to be a West Ham fan, which can get kind of misconstrued, whether it's by pundits or what you should need to do and what's important. I think being a West Ham fan, you don't need to win every week. You don't need to play the best football all of the time, but you need to have players that will try and play the best football as often as they can and players that will work hard. And I get annoyed when... Alvarez and Kufau, they join and they stand out because they're working hard. That should be a bare minimum. Like every single player should work hard. You shouldn't get a gold star for running around with energy and, and trying to make a tackle. That is a bare minimum. So I get annoyed when they stand out because I feel that should be a given. But we don't need to be in Europe every year. We now, we're in it and we love it and it's brilliant. I want it to continue as much as possible. But being a West Ham fan is not about being in the top six every year. It's not about winning every week. It's about See, going to the game, enjoying it, feeling like it's a family, with a good atmosphere, playing good football as often as we can. If you give me, I'll take losing to Brighton every game of the season. If we can beat Arsenal at one time, if we can beat Spurs, if we can beat Chelsea, you give me those away days, you give me a decent cup run, and you give me a team that is identifiable, good personalities, play the right way when they can, work hard, I'm happy. I don't need to see grown men lift trophies. I love Prague, it was amazing. But if we won the League Cup, brilliant. Like, I, it's not what I grew up demanding and needing. And when you say players, they need to win something to have their career validated. Why? Like, does Harry Kane need to win a trophy? Does everyone have to see a grown man go, woohoo, for him to have a good career? No, it's all rubbish. It's just what people say. Um, and I don't think any of that really does apply to West Ham fans. Prague was amazing. But if we, if we lost in Prague, I still would have had the best time of my life. It was a great trip. And I think for us, that's what being a West Ham fan is, not winning necessarily every week and not lifting trophies. It's just being part of that West Ham culture, I guess. Steve, do you, do you think we're a lot of that is being is being lost in what we're now seeing? Is that almost uh, I heard Will coin this phrase for the first time last last week was "New Era West Ham fans." In that now that it, 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 it means, it, yeah, that, it could be that, but it almost. I mean, I noticed it last year um, when it, I think it was uh, it was a guest that we had on. I think it was an opposition view guest. Uh, Jake for the Leicester one said that um, if if West Ham won the Conference League, it would have meant that they'd have had a better season than Arsenal, who didn't win anything at all. Now, I, I I tend to agree with him on that, but a lot of fans were like, no, because 
finished in the top four. They've got into the Champions League. Like, how do you how I'll, do you now gauge success for football clubs if if like you say, like winning a trophy really isn't you know yeah we great we've won one finally the first time in our lifetime. But for you, it's like well that's not really what I grew up demanding. So yeah, it was great, but I you know if we didn't win it, it, it still would have been fine. Like. Is the dynamic of football fans and West Ham fans changing? Well, no, exactly. Yeah, but who, that was who, who the Arsenal fans do. Well, Arsenal like, fans do, yeah. Yeah. I, I I only really care about us, right? And if we can get to a final and have a cup run, the winning it is not the be all and end all. I would have rather gone out to the new camp when we were, you know, when it looked like we might have got Barca. Yeah. I'd rather we'd gone to Barcelona and lost at the new camp than go to the Europa League final and win it. The only caveat is we would have been in the Champions League, so I'll take that aside. But if it was, if there was no Champions League at stake, do you want to go to a final and win, or do you want to go to the New Camp? As a West Ham fan, I've never been to the New Camp in my life. I'll take the New Camp every day of the week. So like, it's more about the experiences. Getting to a final is brilliant. I don't think we expect to win them. Um, thankfully, we won a couple of playoff finals. They're the ones that I think has meant the most to me as a West Ham fan. Losing that one was terrible, and and I couldn't. I'd rather win a playoff final over every game, any game in football because I thought we'd be in the Championship again. It's hell on earth. But I think there's this thing about, I guess it's always been the way, who's had a better season? We're better than you. You're better than this. I had a Fulham fan going, why would Paulinho want to join West Ham? I'm like, of course he bloody would. But also, like, who's had a better season, West Ham or Arsenal? Well, Arsenal finished second, and when you finished 15th, I'm sure they had a better season, but we also had a better day out than they did all year. So it doesn't really yeah. matter, does it? Like, yeah. it, none, none of it matters, Steve. Look, I don't want to get too existential, but none of this matters. Like we're nah. we're sitting over a computer talking to each other about eleven blokes running around. None of it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. What 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 would you say then? Because everything you said there, and I've I've noticed it before when I've uh, when we've met in person. You, me and you think very very similarly about what it is to be. Uh, I wouldn't say a football fan, but a West Ham fan in particular, because that's my hopes for this season's Europa League, right? Because I, I, I just sort of think, you know what, we've got half a chance of this. We've got half a chance. Of, we've got a sniff at this. But it's the same every year. When we when the cup draws are made, uh, I just sort of, I, I want I, I want experiences. Because being West Ham, if your West Ham experience is directly uh, linked to the success of West Ham, you'll be perennially miserable. Like, and why would you ever go to the game, right? Ham, just check the result. Ex- What's that? If you, if you, if, why would you ever go to a game? Just check the result. We won 1-0. Brilliant. Yeah, all I care about <laughs> is how we get on. I think the one thing we've lacked in Europe since we've been there is a massive stadium and a massive team. I'd rather go into the Europa League and get knocked out by a giant. I want to go to the Bernabeu, the San Siro, the New Camp. I don't want to get knocked out yeah. by Frankfurt. And I think they're the experiences I'll remember for the rest of my life more than some of the others. But sorry, I've got two points to make. I will still remember Frankfurt for the rest of my life, as I will Leon. One thing I would say is sort of I think it comes from the same place to what you said. I enjoyed Leon away more than I did Prague. That was a little bit linked to the fact that I thought Bowen was offside as he was running through. So I basically faux celebrated because I was yeah. like, that's going to get flagged offside because I was pretty certain. But yeah. what would you say to people, right, who just listen to what you said about You'd rather the experiences or rather the, um, you know, the experience against Barcelona. What would you say? Because I've had this said to me before and I'm shifting with my thought process on it now. What would you say to people who go, well, that's just a small club mentality, small club fan mentality you've got there, Steve? 
they don't need to agree with me. I go on what I enjoy. I'm not telling them they have to think it. Like, but if I enjoy my days out, that keeps me happy. Everyone's excited. If they'd rather see West Ham win one 0 every game and whatever, that's great for them. Uh, we don't all have to think the same. But I will remember yeah. those experiences that I've had to watch every other friend at school growing up with playing AC Milan, playing these teams. What's the point in going into Europe to win every year or to go and have those experiences? And who knows, we might beat Barca. We could have potentially that year. They weren't great then. Frankfurt um, did, didn't they? Frankfurt did. Yeah, yeah. So Rangers beat Dortmund. I want to go to Dortmund Stadium. Like, so, yeah, if, if they want to win, I don't think many of those people, sorry, guys, go to games very often. They're happy just yeah. watching it and seeing what the result is. Go overland and see and tell us what's important. <laughs> James, thoughts? I think I think fans. I, I don't disagree with anything that Steve just said. I think that there, there can be middle ground, and I think yeah. I kind of fall into that middle ground a little bit. Where, yeah, I want the experiences. So, um, so beige, aren't you? And no, no, but of course I want the experiences. I've got it that we couldn't go to the new camp, um, just like you. Uh, but also at the same time, desperately, desperately, desperately wanted us to win that Conference League last year. Yeah. Um, like it yeah. was, it was like I can't bear the thought of us losing this game. We finally got there. Um, I think when yeah, you're in a like, final, it's different, right? But if someone it is different, us yeah. In the first knockout round of the Europa League game, but would you rather have Leon or Barca? I think every fan would have said Barca, even if we get. I get that. Out. Yeah, I just, I just, I feel like there's, I kind of do fall in, I fall on the fence a little bit. Whereas, yeah, a lot of my my time sporting West Ham. Same as everyone, really, over the last 20, 30 years. It hasn't been about winning football matches, has it? It's no. Because, because, to be fair, no. we've not won many up until about three years ago, uh, barring the odd good season under Stavon Bilic. Um, but, but at the same time, you, you still crave that success because I said it last year, like going and winning a European trophy, growing up, that wasn't for, for me. That was for my mates who supported Chelsea and yeah, yeah. United and Liverpool and, and all the rest of it. And suddenly I'm experiencing that and I'm going, wow, like actually the, I want more of this. I want more. I want more of it this yeah. season. I, I, I want us to go far in the League Cup because I think it's a good opportunity for us to win. Um, and then we could draw Arsenal, which is just typical. But like, so I do feel, I do feel, I, I care about winning and I care about winning Silver Bear. I think that's the most important thing. But I also, if we don't, I'm fine with it. If you know what I mean, can I, I'm fine. Can with I just it. interject quickly and ask because I, I I think that's a healthy way to be, James. But just quickly to both of you, really, when you were in the final, you and we we're, we're playing Fiorentina. Did you both of you, but Jonesy first? Did you want us to win the game because for the glory and for that moment of euphoria, or did you want us to win it? because it would mean we were in the Europa League next season. And then there's this whole smorgasbord of opportunities for these repeated experiences that all three of us have shared together, right? We were all at, um, like, we've had beers in squares in the sun in Leon, going, does life be get better than this together, right? That's why I wanted to win the Conference League, because I was like, now we've got a whole nother season of being able to go, do you fancy Olympiacos away? And we'll go and do that in Athens. Or we might get through and then we might get Barcelona. Well, I'm just wondering which, because I think you're perhaps more the glory on the day, Jonesy, where I was like, I want to win this so we can go again. My, um, my, my initial feeling on that day was um, glory. 
I, I, I'd grown up desperately wanting to see West Ham win a trophy. I was gutted in 2006 when we lost the FA Cup final. Um, and it was almost, it was almost like this. I want to be able to say I've seen West Ham win silverware in my lifetime. And that silverware cannot include the Intertoto Cup or two player finals. Like, has to be an actual a Betway Cup bit, or a Betway Cup. As much as that is glamorous, no, it has to be an actual credible piece of silverware. And I always thought that would probably be an FA Cup or a League Cup in my in my lifetime, not a European trophy. Which is why I went into that game going, "I'm here for the glory." And anything that come anything that comes after winning that is just a byproduct of the glory. It's like I'll think about that after. All I care about is that silverware, so I can. I can one day die a happy man and say, oh, I witnessed West Ham and Silverware. I've done that Steve? now. I, did, I just didn't want to lose. I didn't really have a thought <laughs> process on why. But if you said to me, would you rather next year, you, you win the Conference League, but you don't get Europe or you finish sixth, I think I'd probably take finishing sixth because I enjoy the experiences that come with it. It was great to win, but it was great. The part of winning was just the feeling amongst the fans in the stadium together. That was incredible. Yeah. I didn't put pressure great. on us to win, though. I just didn't want us to lose. Um, but if, if, we, if we win the League Cup or we don't win the League Cup, I don't care. Like, it really it, It's not going to change my life if we, if we do or not. Um, I think there's certain individual games that don't have to be a final. The last game at Upton Park, I didn't care how we played. I just wanted to win that game for some reason. That, was, that and the playoff finals have been the three, four standout moments in my life where I was like, I really want us to win today. And then whenever we play Arsenal this year, I just really want to win that. I don't care how bad we play. But if we can <laughs> knock them out of the cup. I've, I've never had someone convince me before, you know, say the words and I immediately believe them. None of this really matters and go, yeah, yeah, he's right. Mere seconds <laughs> after giving the most impassioned Speech full of hatred about a club and a set of fans in history. I, you've got a, quite a talent there, Steve. I must admit. But listen, mate. Look, it's been it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show. Uh, I sort of knew when we started doing this this season. You're one of the names we've got on the list early doors. I'll be honest, mainly because every time I've met you, you tend to agree with me on stuff. <laughs> um, but primarily because I know, you know, you're how passionate you are about supporting West Ham and, and you've always gone and you still do. And you put the hard yards in. And I think that, you know, I've always sort of got respect for, for fans who do that sort of stuff. Um just given what, what you've said up until now, one last question uh, before we let you go and say goodbye for another week. What does I've been asking people what success looks like for them this season, but given what you've said, I think for what do you want and what would a successful period of supporting West Ham look like for you, maybe this season, but then a little bit more beyond that as well? What are your sort of hopes for the for the future West Ham wise? If we can somehow get into any European competition, keep the ball rolling, I think it helps us keep better players, it helps us bring better players in and it gives me the experiences I've been waiting for at an age where I can actually enjoy them rather than being six years old to the Intertoto Cup or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, anything that is Europe and anything that is a couple of good couple of good wins, but I still think Europe, Conference League, whatever league, I, I think that has to be a good season. Other than that, if we can, if we don't, let's get top 10, let's kind of really button down and make sure we've got something sustainable, not like a letter that drops off. Um, there's a lot of competition now. Brighton, Villa, Newcastle, they're going to be fighting with us. So let's just keep 
pace with everyone and try and get Europe. I'll be I'll be fine with that and beat Arsenal. Absolutely brilliant, Jonesy. What a claret and blue view that was. Oh, I knew he wouldn't let me down. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Sensational stuff. Listen, Steve, it's been absolutely great having you on. Delighted that uh, you know probably haven't met you for the first time two to three years ago. Uh, I can now refer to you as something other than Jonesy's brother's mate, Steve. And now I know your surname. So good news on that front. Really appreciate you coming on the show for the first time. Definitely keen to get you back on later in the season. Fingers crossed for a few more of the away trips. Uh, that was the Claret Blue. Be oh, God, I'm Jonesy. I'm going to have to keep practicing that one. I, I'm, I, I rush into it. That's Especially given you've named it after yourself as well. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. I was literally going to do the, you know, the little add on there, add your name on because you've joined me this week, but I can't even get the words out. So I need to find something better. But that was the Claret and Blue View with Will Pugh and this week, James Jones. And of course, our guest, Steve Hart. Steve, absolutely brilliant having you on. Stay with us because you'll have some brief final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. Well, that's it. For another week, Jonesy, really good podcast. Really, really enjoyed the Claret and Blue view with Steve. He was absolutely brilliant. I knew he would be. Glad we finally managed to get him on. Really appreciate Steve's time. An unbeaten week for West Ham, our second on the bounce. We're top of our Europa League group with Olympiacos away next up. We've got an international break now and we're going into it with big smiles on our faces. All in all, a pretty positive time and even the complete inefficiency and inability, general rubbishness of the referees on our game against uh, Newcastle, the till draw on Sunday. Even that can't dent my feeling of positivity as we sail off into the international break week sunset. Yes, yeah, a far cry, isn't it, from the podcast that we did, what, just after the Bournemouth game where we'd be like, oh... Noise might be gone. Oh, we going down. Over, we might go down here. We've got to sign someone quick, otherwise it's going to be tragic. And here yeah. we are after, what, nine or 10 or 11 games in all competitions and only lost two. Top of our Europa League group. You know, comfortably battling for a, for a top seven finish already. I know it's still early days in the league, but we're there or thereabouts already. Uh, even had a couple of weeks stint at the top of the league. So <laughs> it's been fantastic. It's been so good. Very, very positive. Um, I just hope that Bone doesn't get get injured on the international break, which is my own no, concern. Don't say that. Um, but uh, he deserves the call up. Great scene him included. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. It's great. He should have been yeah. called up last time, to be fair. But um, but yeah, happy days. It's just kind of. I always feel like these international breaks come at a time when you just you want more, like you want more football. You want you want you want to stay positive, and like, then suddenly international football comes around and just dampens the mood for a couple of weeks. Nah, I disagree, mate. I think you want it that way around, don't you? Because otherwise, if you go into it on the back of a defeat, that just sort of bad mood lingers for like a couple of weeks. I think it's better this way around because you're almost like looking forward to it coming back rather than when it's bad and there's an international break. I just, just like, I, I want oh, it to carry on. I just. Yeah, I just want to. I want us to be playing Villa away this weekend. If I, I just forget England, like, just don't, don't really care at the moment. I just care about West Ham and being excited to, to see us do well. 
Yeah, I am very excited for Jared Bowen getting in the international squad. Fair play. He didn't do great last time. He didn't cover himself no. in glory last time he got in, did he? So, fingers crossed he gets a bit of a decent showing and, uh, yeah, impresses Gareth Southgate because he certainly impressed us. Hats off to West Ham. Uh, the board, Tim Steinton, David Moyes, knew if it was convincing Jared to stay and sign that long-term deal. Another positive step in the right direction and a sign, quite frankly, of a club that's run properly it seems. And uh, yeah, really, really feeling positive about West Ham at the moment. I'm hoping that will last. It feels a little bit more sustainable, Josie. Like you said, the, the Bournemouth one, it was thinking a bit bleak, but I'm convinced even more so in my previously held view that last season's Premier League form was just a dip and this season is going to be yet another historic, memorable one. And, Josie, this will be interesting, right? When do we start We'll tee this one up for next week. Maybe I should wait until next week so no one else nicks it. But uh, when do we start talking about offering David Moyes a new contract beyond the end of this season? If we're talking about stability and he proves himself again over the next couple of months that last season's Prem form was just a blip, surely that's a conversation that will need to be had sooner rather than later. I think it comes in the new year. I think yeah. I think they're probably probably holding out to see how we get on between now and, and Christmas. By then, we will know whether we've got out of our Europa League group or not. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think by by the time we get to sort of mid December, uh, the Europa League group stages are over, and we're going into the new year. I think that's when the club will decide. But I mean, at the moment, you can't see it, see anything other than a, a, a new contract for him, um, and he deserves it. So. Well, I was hoping to sort of leave that one on a cliffhanger, really, that we might tee up for next time. But you've just given me quite a decent answer then. So that's one bit of content, extra bit of content we're going to have to find oh, next hang on, time. Hang on. Let, let, me, let me try again. But yeah, they might leave it until the end of the season. And then they'll leave everyone on a cliffhanger until April, May time. And no yeah. one will know other than him and the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a disaster that'll be. Stability is what we want. Get Moisey signed up. Do it in the international break. Get him signed up again for another five years. Give him the same length of contract as Bowen. Get him an £80 million release clause. Listen, great time to support West Ham. Thanks to Steve this week, who come on. Thanks to Jonesy, as always. Wonderful co-host. I know I might give the impression that uh, Steve made load more better points than you ever have in five years of doing this stuff with you, Jonesy. But I, of course, don't mean it. You're a wonderful bloke. Uh, enjoyed speaking to you about West Ham once again. Don't forget to follow us on social media at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. I'm at William Pugh underscore on Twitter. James is at by James Jones. We're on Instagram at we are West Ham pod. You can get us on email if you so wish it. We are West Ham Pod at gmail.com. Uh, do please go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify wherever you listen. Leave us five stars and give us a review. And definitely go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search We Are West Ham Podcast. You'll get the Claret and Blue views on there. You get the opposition views when they come week in, week out, and some little clips that uh, Jonesy likes to post. Up, you can buy us a pint if you fancy it at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. If you like what we're doing, um, then yeah, chip in. We either spend it on beer when we're together. Uh, Jonesy has max four before he's uh, white girl wasted and has to take himself home. Uh, or we spend it on the software license fees, the mics and equipment or guest fees or whatever it might be 
to make the pod better for you guys. If you fancy chipping in, it's buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Great time to support the Hammers. I hope a great time to listen to the We Are West Ham podcast. Quite a lot of content to get your teeth into during this international break this week. Keep the hope. Keep the faith. Things are looking up. We're smashing it in Europe. We're smashing it in the Premier League. It's Aston Villa up next after all of our players, no doubt, including Jared Bowen, go and smash it on the international stage. We'll be back as usual next week with some opposition views looking ahead to the big games West Ham have got coming up for the rest of October. I can't wait to do that. I'm sure James can't either. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. The We Are West Ham podcast is sponsored by Miriam Errington Conveyancing in Adelaide, South Australia. So if you are buying or selling a property in Adelaide, South Australia or Australia as a whole, make sure you keep West Ham business in the West Ham family by giving Miriam a call or a shout. It's Miriam Errington Conveyancing for all your property sale and conveyancing needs down under. Sports Social Podcast Network.